morning, everyone. I want to invite you to uh, grab your beverages and come on back in and take your seats this morning. Uh, we are going to carry on with our teaching time together. And uh, this morning, if you're new or visiting with us, we are in a series, teaching series, called Stuck. And the picture about describes it, I think. And we did a survey and we asked you, where do you feel stuck? In what areas of your life do you feel stuck in? And one of the areas that came back very consistently was saying, I feel stuck and, and sort of dry and tapped out in my relationship with God. And so we wanted to speak to that in different ways and hopefully change things up a little bit this morning and get a dialogue going about uh, different ways that we can connect with God. So we wanted to talk this morning about something called sacred pathways. And perhaps this will give you some traction in this area of your life in prayer and in worship. So what is a sacred pathway? A sacred pathway is basically a, a biblically and historically rooted approach to describe how you as an individual might connect uh, with God and most naturally experience his sense of wonder and experience his presence. So that's kind of uh, from Gary Thomas's book, uh, Sacred Pathways. So. Yeah, I think it... Um, hi. If you're new here, this is not normal. I don't normally come up with Brad. Um, but this is a topic I'm pretty passionate about, I think, because it gives... Um, it gives validity to the fact that we were all created differently, that God uniquely created us differently. That was part of his design. And so um, we're going to experience God differently. Um, so the activities and practices that help us connect with God will look, will look different and be different. And I think when we realize that, there's a bit of freedom in that, that we don't have to all experience and hear from God the same way. As well as it, um, it teaches us our natural bent, how we, we naturally would hear from God, as well as it stretches us to go, maybe we need to try a different way or exp- experience God in a new and fresh way. Yeah, and I think if you're stuck in particular, today we're going to describe nine ways in total that might resonate with you uh, in terms of pathways. And so we're going to draw uh, from Gary Thomas's book, Sacred Pathways. We're going to look at Psalm 19 together to see various temperaments and ways of approaching God that are reflected there. And uh, one way maybe to think about a spiritual pathway is uh, how many of you are are racket sport players or tennis or squash or... All right, a few of you are. All right, so on on a racket, there's a sweet spot on, uh, on any racket. And so one way to think about sacred pathways or ways of approaching God is that that is like the sweet spot on the tennis racket. And if you're in that zone, and you're, for example, like Diane was describing, a naturalist, when you're out of, out of doors, that, just, that picture for you is that's the sweet spot where you're just most naturally able uh, to commune with God. I mean, in a tennis racket, you can hit a ball anywhere on the racket, but when you get it in that sweet spot, I mean, it just really zings. That's what it actually feels most natural with. So sacred pathways are like that. So we've, uh, we've done a couple of them already. Um, so let's talk maybe for a few minutes about some overview, kind of broad picture stuff before we dive in 
to some of those. Yeah, we're going to go quickly um, so that you still have a long weekend. And the thing you're going to appreciate about me is I'm very to the point and I'm very brief. So this is a good compliment because Brad's long-winded and we know that. So you can, you can breathe because we have nine points and you will get out on time. But um, we want you to hear other people's voices. I think it's great that Brad and Keith and Mike how they hear from God, it's important for us to hear how other people experience God. So um, that's what this morning is going to be about. You're going to hear other, people, um, other people's voice to how they experience God. Um, but again, you can hear God through any of these ways. So the goal is not to find like your perfect pathway. Um, and each of the pathways that we'll describe have their own pros and cons. And um, there are nine pathways, and they're tools. They're not meant to be, now this is the only way you should hear from God and forever hear from God. They're just a tool as a means to, um, to hear. Yeah, and I think the other thing about sacred pathways and exploring them together is it gives us a little bit of an appreciation for the dimension of living together as a family in Christian community, as a body, because it helps us grow and understand the ways that other people might relate to God. When Diane started describing a little bit about that, or when you observed more kinetic worship going on, you might have thought to yourself, well, that is definitely not me. But helping understand that there are people in our family that are wired up like that can be helpful for you to extend grace uh, to them as we grow together. So just another piece for you is that we'll give you a handout at the end so you don't have to try and keep up with the nine different pathways. Uh, we just want you to sit back and listen. Don't worry about kind of taking notes. Um, you can listen to the stories, uh, look up the scriptures that come up on the screens, hear the descriptions, try and locate yourself uh, in the different pathways, and uh, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so we've already covered three of them when, with the kids because those are a little bit more maybe accessible for the kids to understand. So quick review, we did the naturalist. And the naturalist, if you could describe them, they love God by being out of doors. Uh, and the thing that I like, and Jared was talking a little bit about this, is that shadow side is I love the way that uh, Diane and Mike intentionally make time for both that and also being in community with each other as well and with the larger church family. So that's a great way in which they balance those things, I think, the naturalists. So. Yeah, Ruth Ellen described for us the Acts of Compassion pathway. That was with um, loving God by loving others. So that's what the kids were talking about. Um, the thing to note is that all Christians, Thomas says, all Christians are called to care for others. Um, there are different ways this obligation can be fulfilled. It's not for us to judge the validity of somebody else's worship. Um, so that's just to say that some people experience and can hear from God best when they are serving, whether at the nursery, kids' church, helping at a homeless shelter. That is an act of worship. And then the last one we talked about right before coffee and connection time was the sensate. That was the one that was expressed over here. So these people love God through the five senses, which I think is so cool. Like if you think God created our body, of course there's people that are going to experience God through their bodies in that way. Um, so they love expressions of faith that involve their ears, their eyes, their taste, um, their touch, their smell, physical amusement, beautiful music, art, um, those are all things that they would be as an act of worship. And that's not to say that if you don't love to dance, that you aren't um, somebody who would hear God through using your senses. Um, but those people, that's their primary, primary connection. Okay, so that's three. The, the next way is uh, the way of the intellect, the pathway of the intellect. And these are people that love God by engaging their minds. And the way to their heart is through their mind. They love deep study. They love to delve into a particular topic 
or a particular passage or an, an issue in the history of the church or a contemporary theological issue. Uh, they love to read stuff on it. They love to get really fired up about how that particular issue is working itself out. But again, for these people, this is not knowledge and study for knowledge's sake. Uh, look at Psalm 19, if you have your Bibles, or go there on your smartphone with version. Look at Psalm 19, verse 7 and verse 8. And the psalm says this, uh, Diane read the first six verses for us, and then it switches gears right away and says, the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy. They make wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right. They bring joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Instructions, decrees, commands. This is where this pathway loves to live, is in this place of study. And the purpose of their study is not to show how smart they are or how much they know about a particular issue. When that person and that gets involved in this pathway in their study, it brings them closer to God. And they feel deeply connected with God in that process. Their soul gets revived. And they often uh, love to teach this stuff. They want to share their insights that they gain with others. Some of them love to blog about it or comment on blogs or write. And uh, just as Meg said, as we progress through the morning, we want you to meet some of the people in our community that have these particular pathways or have this as part of their pathways. So I want to introduce you to Larry Schmidt. And Larry, um, Keith's going to bring the mic around to you. And you can just, you all got it already. All right, Keith trusts you innately then. So, um, Larry, why don't you tell us a little bit about how this pathway works for you. Like, how does study assist you in your faith? Because for some people, that might be maybe not their pathway. Sure. I feel a degree of pressure not to be stupid at this <laughs> point. <laughs> um. How does study, uh, how does reading deep stuff help me to feel connected to God? That was the question that uh, I read from the overview information that you sent to me. And, of course, as a thinker, I focus on the word feeling, which I don't particularly connect to. <laughs> and I had to kind of, you know, poke at that a little bit. So if I don't feel connected, does that mean that I am not connected? And how do I play with that? Uh, which really pushes me to think, uh, and it was a good question for me to think about because as one who lives in his head, uh, the danger is just to kind of stay there um, and maybe not to explore the world of the emotion. Um, for me, studying and reading deep stuff have helped me to, uh, to feel, to be connected, but more at a, I use the word deep or almost subterranean level, uh, kind of a foundational level. And uh, I see as one of my goals, I think really one of all of our goals should be to try to learn to what it does it mean to live a fully integrated life, which is a theme that I uh, come to back and uh, I come back to that quite often. So, but at the same time, the, the study side for me is quite foundational, and it's, it's, it's not merely to learn facts, but to try to understand what true wisdom is. Um, I happened to be reading through 
the book of Luke this morning and um, hit upon in the, in the flow of the reading where Jesus says, uh, those who do my words are building their life on a solid foundation. And so that's where I see, for me, deep study or, or, or a good uh, level of reading has helped me to have a foundation from which to then explore a more integrated life, how to put into practice some of the teachings of Jesus and trying to take baby steps towards being more integrated. Um, I guess people were talking about wandering around in the woods and dancing and all that, so I'll give you some examples. Um, (laughs) Trying to update my biblical theological training uh, recently by, in the last few years, by going on to Regent College Audio. Uh, You can download all kinds of, of work there and get a decent level of um, theological in- information uh, through I, I listen to it while I clean the toilets and do housework and work out. Um, reading, reading people like Walton and N.T. Wright. N.T. Wright uh, produces work at both the popular and then also at the more academic level. Um, I carry with me, because now I'm a grandfather, a great burden for, um, for the generation that's coming up. I'm continually disenchanted with uh, what I see in popular apologetics where I am getting prepackaged information that, in my view, once it gets picked at, at a deep level, can perhaps leave people feeling um, uh, not well served. And I think nowadays, you guys, when you're preaching, you're going to have people sitting out here doing fact searches on the stuff you're saying. I think the way that our kids are being raised now in an information age where they're going to be exposed to so many different worldviews, so many different world religions, so many different philosophies that we're going to need to be able to engage, I think, at a significant level. And for those of us who do have the, I only have two minutes, right? So um, (laughs) who are either cursed or blessed with this stuff, we're going to need to, I, I think, you know, maybe serve our kids by not being afraid of, uh, of where study will take us if we truly understand uh, what's the line, all truth is God's truth. So one of the examples that I've had was reading, um, again, at popular apologetics. Like if you look at the synoptic gospels and then the gospel of John, why people are trying to sort out what happened when and, you know, did, are we talking about the Sermon on the Mount or the Sermon on the Plains or how many times did he do this, that, or the other thing? And, and reading some of the apologetic stuff, I'm thinking, well, really? Um, and I, I have a deep distrust with uh, someone that presents as though they have all of the answers and that they have everything figured out, because then I start looking for things. Um, so I've, I've explored uh, first century, just kind of picking out a little bit, but first century autobiographies and understanding a little bit more the uh, commonalities that we see within the gospel writers. So I think I'll quit. But um, that's kind of how I work at it. And that helps me as a foundational piece to take steps forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Larry. I appreciate that. And I appreciate that one of the things that sticks out to me then uh, in reflecting on that intellectual pathway is that, uh, and and it's true of actually all of these pathways, is that as much as uh, your pathway might be the natural spot in which you connect with God, in a corporate gathering like this, it, we may not always be in that sweet spot for you. So for the intellectual pathway, 
Sometimes, some parts of Sunday morning might be designed around that. Some messages might bend in that direction more, but as a whole, it might not live there. And so the person that's an intellectual pathway is going to want to or need to dig deeper outside of the context of Sunday morning because they're learners, they're readers, they're thinkers. They want to go actually deeper and scratch below the surface in the topics that are presented and finding books and forums and other people who will engage with them on this type of thing. And so if you lean towards that kind of pathway, then uh, you might want to just strike up a conversation with Larry sometime or other people that exemplify that pathway. And uh, by people sharing their stories today, we're not holding them up as the perfect emulation of all of these things, but we're just saying, yeah, these are people that are living this out in particular ways. So if that's you, you, know, you might want to uh, grow a little bit and, and allow others to participate in that conversation. So that's the intellectual pathway. Yeah, the next pathway is the traditionalist pathway. I think it's interesting, actually, in, the, in now in the 21st century, how many people are actually moving towards this. Um, you see church growth in um, Eastern Orthodox or even high church um, are seeing and experiencing growth um, because there's people that are longing for that rooted with um, great history of the Christian faith. There are those who maybe, and maybe you are one who've come out of that because you found it stuffy or hollow or illegalistic. Um, so the traditionalists, though, this isn't about ritual. This, this isn't... To them, it's not the ritual. It's, it's actually how they're connecting to God. It's how the structure actually brings them and prompts them towards an act of worship. Um, so this, if, if you think this might be your pathway, you might want to explore reading Scripture aloud or reading um, the Book of Common Prayer, which Brad has. Um, these people would often follow the church calendar, Advent, Led, uh, Lent, um, Pentecost, and these people probably would thrive in a set, regular time and place to meet God. Mm-hmm. And in addition to the stories that uh, we tell this morning, I want to encourage you and push you to kind of try and experiment a few things uh, outside of your normal pathway. My normal pathway is not a traditionalist, but um, I was sharing this uh, a little while ago that I was finding that my times of prayer were a little bit dry. And so... Uh, This book, uh, Common Prayer, has been very helpful for me. It's a much more structured, much more ordered, uh, fixed-hour prayer, morning and evening, daily readings that connect you in with the history of the church and remind you of uh, the different aspects that are worth celebrating and commemorating. For example, today is Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on the church for ministry and for mission. And so we want to actually uh, move through the traditionalist pathway this morning, and we're going to move into a time of communion together, and we're going to celebrate it a little bit more in a traditionalist's format and explore a little bit more structure and a little bit more liturgy uh, around it and what it means for us. So Jared and the team are going to come, and they're going to uh, lead us in one of the universal creeds of the church, And then our team is going to come, and they'll actually uh, serve communion to you where you're seated. They'll pass it down uh, the rows, both the bread and the cups. And I'd ask that you would hold each of the elements until the time in the responsive reading where uh, it's time to partake all together. And so we're going to move to a time that a traditionalist uh, might connect with a little bit more readily. So we'll begin by reading something called the Apostles' Creed together. Uh, so please stand with us. This was a, a creed or a, 
or an affirmation of, of what, is, what is true about the gospel uh, developed around the second century by faithful followers of Christ. And it has, been, it has great history to it. Uh, you can look that up, or the, or the Nicene Creed, or the uh, Constantinopolitan Creed as well, if you are uh, interested in digging in. So it starts with, I believe. Let's read that together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Is it with 
Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high. With Christ my Savior and my God. With Christ my Savior and my God. Here is love as the ocean loving kindness as a flood when the prince of life our ransom shed for us his precious blood who is love will not remember who can cease to sing his praise he can never be forgotten throughout heaven's eternal day. On the mount, on the mount of crucifixion, mountains open deep and wide through the floodgates of God's mercy. Grace and love like mighty rivers Pour incessant from above Heaven's peace and perfect justice Kiss the guilty world in is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no love is truer, no love is higher, no love is wider, no love is like your love, O Lord. No love is higher, no love is wider, no love is deeper, no love is truer. No love is higher, no love is wider, no love is like your love, O Lord. Of your fullness you are pouring, your great love on me anew. Without measure, full and boundless, drawing out my heart to you. You alone will be my glory, nothing in the world I see. You have cleansed and sanctified me, you yourself have set me free. Sing no love. No love is higher. No love is wider, no love is deeper, no love 
love is that the Lord is good. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever leaves, believes in me will never be thirsty. Together we say, listen, the Lord who fed the thousands on the hillside, who fed the twelve in the upper room, listen, he stands at the door and knocks. If we hear his voice, and open the door, he will come in and eat with us. Jesus invites all his disciples to feast at his table, all those who are members of God's covenant family, living in obedience to God, and with integrity toward their spiritual brothers and sisters, gathered to celebrate their communion with Christ and with each other. Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. Forgive our sins, our pride and self-sufficiency, our bitterness and division. Help us to examine ourselves and give us the grace to repent. We will leave the gifts of our worship at the altar until we have made right that which needs mending with you or in the church. And then, O Lord, your kindness and forgiveness will feed our very souls. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we bless you for this bread, for the sign of Jesus' body, for his life of compassion, for his example of humble service. This loaf unites us in the one body and strengthens us for ministry. Lord, remember your body and deliver us from evil. Let's eat together. In the same way, Jesus took the cup and blessed it and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we bless you for the cup, for this sign of Jesus' shed blood, for his death on the cross, his sacrifice for sin. This cup welcomes us into a covenant of forgiveness and promises us the riches of eternal life. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, and we have been brought over from death into life. Let's partake together. As often as you do this, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. In Psalm 19, verses 9 and 10, 
the psalmist shifts gears again into a more image-rich description of what's going on. Verse 9 says, Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They're more desirable than gold, even than the finest gold. They're sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the honeycomb. And these images that come to us, they're not immediately accessible. They're not putting things on the bottom shelf necessarily. These are the kinds of images in Scripture that our next pathway loves to explore together, a contemplative pathway. And this pathway describes a person who just loves to sit and to soak in God's presence, to meditate and reflect on his ways and his goodness and what the Scripture might mean. This person loves God through adoration. So scriptures like Psalm 63, Psalm 116, John 14 to 17, Jesus' description of himself as the vine and the shepherd, all of these are places uh, that this pathway loves to explore. And it's a kind of a little bit more of an introverted pathway, maybe, an experience of God's presence and his love that's maybe more closely related to another pathway the ascetic. So Meg, that's a little bit maybe more your pathway or you identify a little bit more with that. So can you describe maybe like what does what does that mean or look like for you, particularly that aesthetic pathway? What does that mean? Yeah, so the ascetic um loving God through solitude and simplicity. I um I need to be alone. I do my best hearing by myself and I need alone and quiet. So background music is actually um, a hindrance to me. I like to explore my thoughts, and I like to read um, books that explore new ideas, and then I like to look in scripture, and then I like to journal, and then I like to just sit. I sometimes fall asleep, then I pray, and I kind of repeat this, and um, rushing actually hinders me. I don't like to feel like there's a goal or that there's a parameter that I'm stuck in, which is great, except for when life situations um, don't allow it. for instance, toddlerhood, um, made this a big challenge for me because um, there isn't a lot of unrushed time. And when there is, you're tired. Um, and so I had to bend this way of hearing from God when we had little ones at home. So I either had to leave the house or I would have to try another pathway. Um, and I find that when, um, when I make my life too busy, um, either by choice or just by situation, I can't actually hear from God. And so that struggle of just wanting more, feeling like you're not hitting it, that's a sign to me that I probably need to get alone, um, fast, meditate. Um, those are things that recharge, recharge me and allow me to hear um, God's voice personally to me. And as an, as an extrovert, for me, these pathways are they're outside of my comfort zone and they're stretching for me. But it's been fascinating for me to just try and noodle around with them a little bit and practice them a little bit. And because uh, I find as an extrovert, I have a tendency to move over my inner world fairly quickly. But these two pathways often help to slow me down to actually intentionally ask questions of what's going on uh, in my soul. And so Psalm 19 kind of continues in that interior world and drills down into a little bit. And the psalmist says, how can I know all of the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults, Lord. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great 
sin? And those are questions you can't uh, ask unless you're really kind of alone to ask those questions and asking God to search your heart a little bit more. And so time spent in solitude for these types of pathways uh, can be really helpful to get answers to those types of questions. We want to hear another story uh, from our community and how this pathway or these types of pathways kind of get uh, lived out. And so, Danny, talk to us a little bit about you know, what does this look like for you? I mean, you're, you're a person who works with young people, and so there's a lot of kind of, some people might even peg you as an extrovert in some ways uh, because you're always involved in conversations with people and, and hearing what's going on in their lives. But talk about natural bent. What does that look like for you in terms of your own connections with God? Uh, sure. I, I was, uh, when I got to email asking if I would do this, I actually happened to be out at the, the monastery. And I was like, oh, Brad must need something really important. So I checked it. Um, as a, Are you even allowed to check your email at the monastery? I don't know. I just that did it. It seems like, an, uh, like it should be off balance. You something. can talk to God about it and Fair get enough. back to me. All right. um, and I, I'm really happy that I could say that I was out there doing that, although um, it sounds more spiritual, but it's, it's been a struggle, much like what Meg says, is that when you have kids and you're constantly surrounded by people and noise, that it actually is quite difficult to make that kind of thing happen. So, you know... But it's so vital and so important for me to stop and not allow the distractions to take over my ability to be able to hear from God's voice, which is important as I'm raising my kids and as I'm working with young people to actually be able to not just go there for me, which is what I did for the longest time, was I just want an image from God or I want to be able to feel his presence or I want to learn something new. Um, But to remember that it's being a part of a community and bringing the things back that God is telling me to other people and because sometimes the pictures and the images and the dreams and the visions and things don't even make a whole lot of sense to me and so I'll, I'll draw them out or I'll write them down and I'm like oh that was a waste of time and then um, I'm in conversation with someone and they're bringing things up and I can feel God poking me and saying like I think you need to share this picture and I said that sounds crazy <laughs> and I don't think that they're going to respond well to it but 99% of the time that God uses it to be able to speak to them about it. So that's exciting. And that's one of the great opportunities, even though I'm introverted and I don't always care to be around people, to see people encouraged by God through me is fantastic. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Danny, for sharing. Uh, the counterbalance of these two is the enthusiast. Um, it comes to mind the biblical characters, I think, who embody it would be King David. Um, And enthusiasts are people who love God with excitement and celebration. Um, They're cheerleaders of the church and the Christian life. Thomas describes it as they don't just want to know concepts, but they want to experience them, feel them, be moved by them. Um, And it's not um, an empty or a shallow emotion, I think. Some of us could peg that as that. It's a way that God's just wired them up. They come alive when they're around those who are excited about God and what he's doing. These people are often more um, open to dreams Um, to having God speak to them through dreams, pictures, um, and they thrive on being in a community that supports that. Um, Yeah, and we we have some enthusiasts in in our crowd, definitely. Mm -hmm. So we're going to ask Jackie uh, if she, Jackie Pascoe, would share just a little bit of a story of what does that kind of look like for you? What what does it feel like for you? Um, What kind of goes on 
um, maybe some recent experiences that you've had. Talk to us a little bit about, maybe even build off of a little bit of what Danny was saying. Um, the last few, as you've been talking about times alone and secluded, I've definitely identified with that as well. And then when you talk about enthusiasts and being in a crowd and enjoying the worship, and that's me as well. And I think as I read through this this week, um, the part that stuck out the most was experience, experiencing God. And for me, that can be on my own in my quiet time when there's nothing. It can be in a worship setting. It can be out for a walk. But the point for me is that the dreams and visions, I love I love how God communicates in visions. He gives pictures and ideas, and then he speaks through it. And before, for me, it used to always kind of be an accidental thing. I'd be praying for someone. I'd be like, oh, that's a funny thing to think about. And, and through that, God's taught me how he's speaking that way. But lately, I've been learning how to purposely step into that and to have a place where, in my mind, imagining a place where I go and see God. And I sit with him, and I talk with him, and he talks back to me. And so for me, the, the visions and the dreams part of it is just where it comes alive, and it's me actually experiencing sitting down for coffee with God. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Jackie, I think that one of the, the great things that can happen by opening up a conversation about spiritual pathways is just learning about all of the unique different ways in which God speaks to people. Uh, by his spirit here in the life of Jericho Ridge. And so, Megan, I hope today that you're getting a little bit of a picture of how these things kind of complement each other and how they work together in the life of a community, that God's giving Danny and Jackie and others visions and dreams and pictures, not just for them so that they grow in their own walk, but to actually share that uh, with others. And one final pathway, I think, that, that also interacts with others a lot and challenges us to lift up our eyes and look a little bit beyond uh, what's happening in, in immediate circumstances and think about what's on God's heart for the world is the activist pathway. Yeah, these are people who love God um, through confrontation and justice. Um, people, there's a lot of people in scripture like that, Elijah, Peter, Habakkuk, and in history, there's tons, William Wilberforce, John Wesley, Martin Luther King, Elizabeth Fry. These are people who God has uniquely birthed a cause or a passion in their heart. So it's not somebody who just likes trees, becomes environmentalist, decides I'll wrap that into Jesus. It's, it's a unique call that God has birthed in them that they, they sometimes can't even describe why they feel so passionate about it and why the act of doing it actually leads them closer to God. Yeah, I think it's a form of worship when they engage in this. And I know for us, this pathway has been growing as we've gotten involved in East Africa and Tanzania and are getting ready to head there this summer with the family. Um, but it's also something that works itself out in daily life. And so I want you to meet uh, Nigel. And Nigel's going to talk a little bit about how he lives this out. So Nigel, tell us, how do you live this out, kind of this pathway in daily life? What does it look like for you? Well, I think... Um the, in daily life, the, the easy part, anyways, is uh, signing petitions, especially online petitions. Um, it's, you know, you just add your name, it's really easy. Um, by emailing um, companies and, and authorities, uh, voicing your concern about injustices and abuses that are happening, um, and by bringing awareness um, uh, and sharing about uh, these injustices whenever I get the opportunity to. Uh, the more difficult level, I think, is uh, boycotting companies and brands that I know perpetuate abuse. Um, let's see what else I made myself some notes. And by trying to buy fair trade and organic products, which tangibly um, supports 
the better treatment of, uh, of everyone, everyone in the trade um, by trying to buy used stuff um, as, so as to reduce my consumption of the products that I know have abuse in their manufacture um, and by selling or giving away uh, our used products um, to reduce other people's uh, consumption of these new products. Mm -hmm. So when you're engaged in those activities, consciously making choices and engaged, how, does, how do you feel God's pleasure connecting with that? What does that look like for you? Um, I think I feel God's pleasure in my attempts to seek his heart by trying to put my treasure in the right place. Um, that um, even if that means uh, less money for me at the end of the day or uh, some inconveniences in my life or even foregoing some, some desirable toys. Um, when I think of God's mercy on my life, uh, first of all, for the, for the sins I recommit time and again, um, and secondly, for, for abs the absolute vast amount of wealth he has blessed me with, um, I don't feel I can look to Christ um, without at least first trying to help those less fortunate, um, much less live a lifestyle that doesn't perpetuate abuse. So talk to us a little bit about the relationship aspect of this then, living in community. Uh, one of the challenges for an activist pathway is when people maybe don't share some of those same aspects of passion. So how has it influenced your relationship? How's this wiring influenced your relationship with others, maybe both positively and negatively? Um, to a small extent, I do find, um, and this is it's a very small um, set of, of, of Christian friends or acquaintances that I've, I find perhaps the relationship has distanced a little bit. Um, I, I suspect, I mean, I'm, my belief between the, the, my spending and the injustices that happen um, can be an uncomfortable topic. Um, but on the other hand, I feel that to my non-Christian friends or acquaintances, it's helped the perception of Christ, Christians and Christianity um, in that I think there's something distasteful um, to the world when, when you see a group of people who purport to show the love of Christ but don't care to love when it becomes tangible. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Nigel. Yeah, I think um, Nigel's emphasis on how that connects with our treasure, like putting your treasure in the right place and how your choices then become an act of stewardship is really at the heart of the activist pathway and speaks of our witness in the world, like Nigel said, how we allocate our time, our resources, and our energy, and our finances, and our goods, all really does broadcast to the world what our value systems and structures are. So I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and we'll uh, receive our offering this morning. I want to highlight for you that on Communion Sundays here at Jericho Ridge, that we encourage you to uh, give above and beyond uh, for the purpose of benevolence and designate that right on your giving envelope. You can pick those up at the Welcome Center uh, if you'd like. And over the past month, we've been, been involved at a pastoral level with a number of individuals uh, for requests for benevolence and uh, significant needs in our community. And so if you'd like to participate in that, you can just designate that on your uh, offering envelope. Jared and the team are going to come. They're going to lead us in a uh, song of response. And as they lead us, Jared and the team chose this song. I want you to try and identify how many of the various pathways you can actually find highlighted in uh, this particular song. And then we'll come back up and we'll wrap up after we do that.
sing take my life take my life and let it be consecrated Lord to me take my moments and my days let them flow in ceaseless praise take my hands let them move at the impulse of my love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Here am I. All of me Take my life It's all for thee Take my voice Take my voice and let me sing Always only Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from me. Take my silver and my gold, not a might would I withhold. Take my intellect and use every power as you choose. Here am I, all of me, me. take my
as we wrap up this morning. How did I do for time? You're good. See, you promised to be out on time. You're good. You're going to want me preaching more often. <laughs> <laughs> and that won't happen. <laughs> Um, I think we just, we just, our heart at Jericho as staff, as elders, is we just want you guys to hear the voice of God. Mm-hmm. And that brings transformation. It doesn't matter what happens on Sunday morning. It doesn't matter what happens in your life. If you're hearing the voice of the Lord and you're obeying it and you're encouraging others to do the same, that, that will be transformation. So keep growing in that. Maybe push into the areas that you already love. And maybe this summer, try exploring some new ways and see how God's voice maybe speaks a different way to you. I think especially, um, like, it was awesome to have the kids experience that. So if you've got little ones or big ones, I think this is a great, if our kids grow up in an area where they know that the Lord is speaking to them personally, their lives will be transformed immensely. So, um, so keep helping those around you um, hearing the voice of the Lord. Yeah. And I think... Um We want to just remind and thank everybody who shared uh, for sharing their story and experience with us. You might want to link up with them. You might want to ask them a question or two about how they're wired and explore that together, developing the pathways a little bit more. Uh, Just say again that the objective of this is to meet God, not for you to sort of find this perfect way to pray or to do scripture intake or any of those types of things. But if this has been helpful for you, we've got a handout for everybody on your way out that describes these pathways a little bit. So the ushering team has those, and they'll uh, be happy to give those to you. If you want to pray or talk with anybody about things that you've heard, Megan and I will be available over at this side. Uh, Spencer and Allie will be available over at this side, and they would love to pray with you and talk with you uh, more this morning. And if you want to explore this further... Uh, we've uh, created in, uh, and found an online survey that you can do that actually asks questions that tries to drive at this, and then in the end it helps you discover your pathway. And so that's available. We put it up on Facebook this morning on our Jericho Ridge Facebook page and tweeted it, so that's available on the front page of our website. If you'd like, you might want to take a few minutes. And then on Facebook, uh, uh, the quiz is there to say which one are you, and you can actually identify once you've taken the quiz and see other people at Jericho that might be the same pathway as you. And so we want to pray that God would give you the grace to live this out in deeper and uh, more intentional ways as you go through your week uh, so that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable to God our rock, and our redeemer. So go in God's grace and his peace. Uh, The ushering team also has for you, if you'd like, some of the ministry meeting uh, highlights for you there, if you want to pick up one of those packets, and that's also available online. And we would love to see and engage with you throughout the course of the week in any way we can serve you, and we'll see you here next weekend.